Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, fire, flammables, an album that bumps eternally. And today, we'll be deep diving together into the gospel masterpiece, 2002's The Rebirth of Kirk Franklin. So that's where I come from. And then what happened, I discovered hip-hop music. And the Lido project that I'm doing right now, that's pretty much hip-hop and gospel just blended together. And it's pretty good, if you ask me. It sounds like something like this. That's Lido, an artist who, one night in a concert, mashed up Kirk Franklin's melodies from heaven with Junior Mafia's crush on you to a rap crowd at the rickshaw shop in San Francisco, 2015. Just one of the many examples of the influence of one Kirk Franklin. Federico Ray said of pioneers, quote, when I think about the great pioneers and disruptors of the past, I begin to imagine the character traits of these heroic individuals who have completely revolutionized the way we live today. Not only were they daring and disruptive, but also determined, passionate, humble risk-takers, courageous visionaries, and highly imaginative, end quote. So in other words, individuals like Kirk Franklin, who since 1993 when we met him, has continued to reimagine the sound of gospel music, while also challenging the status quo of contemporary Christendom. His music doesn't balk at tradition, it remixes it, making it inclusive enough for those of us who have been the woman at the well, or Judas-level savages, or flaky like Peter, or just busters like the Pharisees. And while Kirk Franklin is certainly a man after God's own heart like David, in my opinion, he moves like Goliath. He's actually a giant who slays the industry, like he did on the rebirth of Kirk Franklin, his seventh studio album released February 19, 2002. Courtesy of Gospel-Centric and Arista Records, this is an album that begins with a story about his circumstances, his backstory, about a hard choice and a harder decision, a story that leads us right into what feels like a stadium chant of praise, Hosanna, forever, Hosanna, forever and ever. Why is this album a heat rock? Oh, I love this question. As you'll hear me say later, there are no skips, not one. Borrowing a cliche, this album is a journey full of things that when added together make for a beautiful sonic soup. Nuanced melodies, henceforth now and forever, you will always know a Kirk Franklin arrangement when you hear it. Expect prettiness. Transparency, lyrics that speak about spiritual imperfection without being heavy-handed. Royalty, consider these names, Caesar, Adams, Smallwood, Johnson, Mac, Variety, dance hall like on He Reigns, hip-hop, worship music, rock, many styles for many people. Intentionality, if there's a phrase that encapsulates this album, it's this. Young people go on and stand up real quick. The opening line to his song, Brighter Day, which tells us that Kirk Franklin loves the new kids, today's saints who love Jesus, but don't mind praising him to different BPMs. This album is emotional. If you can make it through my life, my love, my all without crying, you're rugged. Rebirth's 17 tracks reinforce my assertion that spirituality is more relationship than ritual. 
that hallelujah means the same thing no matter the subgenre we layer it in, and that when Kirk Franklin is involved, gospel music can be impactful, revelatory, healing, and a bop all at the same time. In contemporary black music, there are three queens, Mahalia Jackson, the queen of gospel, Aretha Franklin, the queen of soul, and Mary J. Blige, the queen of hip-hop soul. In gospel, there are two kings. One of them is Kirk Franklin, the reigning king of contemporary gospel. He's not just considered that because of his 16 Grammys, multi-platinum albums, and myriad hits. It's because over the course of an almost 30-year career, he's changed the way we consider gospel and how we record it, because he's expanded its possibilities and its reach. Because through him, gospel music is both soundtrack and score. Because he's a passionate, humble risk-taker, courageous visionary, and highly imaginative. No matter what you believe or who you believe, you have to believe that Kirk Franklin is a game-changer and that this album, The Rebirth, is a heat rock. He's an icon. And for the times I need someone to take me to the king, I turn to a captain. Oh, captain, my captain, Kirk. The Rebirth of Crook Franklin was the album pick of our guest today, the pride of South London singer-songwriter Sam Henshaw. He's no stranger to gospel. Check out his 2019 jam, Church. Wake up, wake. Good morning. Wake up, wake. Good morning. Wake up, wake. Wake up, wake. Wake up and get yourself to church, Sam is also no stranger to the struggle. Check out his breakout 2018 single, Broke. Be a little more prepared. Show you that I care. I love you, I swear, girl. But tell me if I wasn't broke. That's back when I first discovered Sam's music. And the more I heard, the more he became one of my absolute favorite new talents. Here's someone, whether crooning or rapping, who exudes soulfulness from every pore. And as his catalog has grown, he feels like someone who needs to be discussed in the same breath as the Anderson Packs, the Sirs, and dare I say, the D'Angelos of the world. The talent is undeniable, and it is a pleasure to have him with us here today. Sam Henshaw, welcome to Heat Rocks. Hey, that was a dope-ass intro. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> like I've never got no, an intro I, that cool before. That's amazing. Thank you. We are so jazzed to have you here. And when I listen to your music, it feels so obvious to me because of the differences from song to song that you draw upon this massive well of musical influences. So whether it's a Stevie Wonder or a Kendrick Lamar or a Kirk Franklin. And I know that Morgan was psyched, psyched, psyched that Kirk was one of your choices. So how were you first introduced to the music of Kirk Franklin? Honestly, my only like early memories of, of him and hearing his music were um, literally just being in my house uh, with my family I remember just constantly hearing him being surrounded by just that sound and I feel like that was for a lot of like church kids um, I feel like a lot of us can relate on that level that he was just the guy that was always being played in your household so uh, yeah that was that's pretty much my earliest memories of, of him yeah and Morgan how about you 
Well, it, you know, if you listen to Heat Rocks uh, for a time or two by now, everybody knows I'm a church kid and everybody knows mm-hmm. I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. And so um, I heard a lot of gospel music growing up, but I came to know um, this album the the later. But the first album I heard was uh, Kirk Franklin and the, and, and the Family, 1990. And the Family, yeah, that's a bad and, album. And... Uh, the first song I heard was The Reason Why I Sing. And that got played, bumped, okay, bumped on uh, radio stations out here, KGLH especially. They've got, they play gospel on Sundays from, I think, to mid, at noon to midnight. And mm-hmm. so that one got bumped. And Christian, if you can play a little bit um, of that so we can hear it, take me back to that time. You're the reason why I sing. Can we say it again? Someone asked. Why do we sing? Why do we sing? When we lift our hands. My uh, my introduction was uh, preparing for the show, um, so I am really really ignorant about contemporary gospel music. Even though there's a lot of gospel soul from the '60s and '70s that I love, but um, but in anything recorded in the last 30 years, it's just way over my head. So I'm wondering if I can ask a super basic question from either or both of you, which is. What is the importance of Kirk Franklin to the contemporary gospel community? Do you want to go first, Morgan? Well, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's quite simply the best-selling gospel artist of all time. That's the first thing. He's got 16 Grammys, uh, more than that with nominations, 25 or 30 nominations. He's killed the stellar awards. And to me, he is... Um, gospel music's first household name um, that belongs to a bunch of generations. So mm-hmm. kids that are um, Sam's age, Christian's age, their parents grew up on Kirk Franklin. Mm-hmm. He's a household mm-hmm. name. People that are outside of the gospel music don't know anything else about gospel. They all know Kirk Franklin. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, he he represents many decades he represents the 90s he represents the aughts the tens and he's been relevant throughout so his first album is 93 right his last album came out two years ago all of them have been platinum still relevant um he he crossed over without watering down his message he's gotten that big on gospel Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying He, he never watered down his message he presented it different ways, but he's been singing about Jesus since 1993, and that has never changed. He's never mm-hmm. tried to accommodate it for the world. And he's also probably the first artist that we all knew that mixed hip-hop and gospel, right? Yeah. His, mm-hmm. album comes out in, his album comes out in uh, June of 1993, right? And for most of us, that was the first time that we heard contemporary gospel that way, but it mm-hmm. isn't until later Right, so like 1997, when the God's Property album comes out, that he really, really mixes gospel and hip hop for the first time. Heretofore, most of us, the first time we heard gospel and secular music mixed was on Sister Act, which comes out in December of 1990. Crazy, yeah, that's true. And uh, that song, Joyful, Joyful. Right. So I was gospel music. That the other day. That was so so good. Such a good film. You down with God, which replaced you down with uh, OPP. Of course, shout out to OPP, Naughty by yeah. Nature, uh, classic. Yeah. And also, so four years later, when Stomp drops, it's 
It's giant. Mm. Because heretofore, no gospel artist has recorded with a hip-hop artist, and he records that with salt, of salt and pepper. Make me thankful, pity the hateful, I'm grateful. The Lord brought me through this fall. Trying to be cute when I praise him, raise him high. I keep it live, be bumping, keep him jumping, make the Lord feel something. Ain't no shame in my game, God's property. Getting big with curse, ain't no stopping And on top of that, no gospel artist has interpolated a sample, which he does over Parlin Funkadelic's One Nation Under a Groove, right? So that's the other thing that makes mm. him a household name. He don't care me now. You more of what you're talking for. He don't tell me now. You better put them hands together and act like you know up in here. Cheap peak. And at the time, um, you know, there was no marriage of hip hop and gospel, not even close. You know, mm. it's mm. not even mm. close. We're, fi- we're mm. five years after, um, you know, hip hop soul. So we're five years after what's the 411. So we're just moving into this hybrid of genres, which happens. And I think he comes out of the gate sort of redefining a genre and mm. um, making gospel music accessible, mainstream, and at the same time making it a, a bop, right? He's relevant because he's sort of the LeBron James of gospel because he's been great on three mm-hmm. teams. God's Property, <laughs> Kirk Franklin's New Nation, right? Kirk I was, Franklin I was wondering why you, why you used LeBron, but that makes, that makes a ton of sense now. Three teams, you know, Miami, <laughs> LA, Cleveland, and he's been great on, on all of them. And not only has he revolutionized gospel music, and we can get into what it sounds like a little bit later, but he humanized sort of you know, flawed, imperfect Christianity. Mm. Because when you hear Kirk mm. Franklin, you hear his taste. You know what he's mm. listening to. You know, mm. Kirk Franklin's been listening to hip hop. You know what mm. I'm saying? You know that Kirk Franklin, um, he may, you know, we have this saying, be, be in the world, but not of it. Kirk Franklin mm. may not have been in the world, but his homies were, and he was still cool mm. with them. And that's reflected. So it was sort of aspirational in the sense that in listening to his music, Sam and I grew up in the church, but you felt like, you didn't have to be churchy to appreciate it. Like the homies were mm-hmm. bumping stomp. Mm-hmm. Ain't seen mm-hmm. no, don't know Jesus at all, but could recognize, you know, that that was a bop. And we don't get to Kanye's Jesus is King without Kirk mm-hmm. Franklin. I just love that Morgan just served us up a dissertation on Kirk Franklin. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's honestly, awesome. the amount of facts that you got there, I can't even, like, <laughs> I, 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 that was educational for me, to be fair, <laughs> at some levels. Um, I love it, Kirk yeah, that was Franklin. amazing. Yeah, no, he's, uh, I think, pretty much just kind of um, tethering off of what Morgan said. He, I think one of the words I'd love to use is just how consistent he was, which, I, and consistent he is still, to be fair, because like he's still going, he's still going strong, but just the consistency. And, and again, as Morgan said, the fact that he made sort of Christianity and, and being human very relatable, uh, being a, being a, yeah, being a Christian and being a human being, he made it very relatable and um, allowed us to be able to understand God's message from a perspective that wasn't necessarily religious. It wasn't from like a religious perspective. It was more from like a relationship perspective. Um, and that's always what I've taken from how Kirk Franklin, um, you know, presents um, gospel to people. And I mean, I've always said that at the end of the day, gospel is just a genre and isn't like necessarily a reflection of a person's faith so 
I like how Kirk made it feel like look at me calling him Kirk like he's my boy Uncle Kirk excuse me being disrespectful <laughs> but like just seeing how he he made it um relatable and allowed you to understand that this is relationship and it's not religion it can be religion if you want it to be and it can be like a list of rules and and that but you know allowing you to understand that we are flawed and that we can go through things but we can you know um get up and, and try again and and you know there, there's hope and and all that sort of stuff so yeah for me uh yeah I think he's just there's just been a consistency across the board and like again like Morgan said there'd be a lot of artists that wouldn't exist including myself if it wasn't for people like Kirk, if it wasn't for like Kirk Franklin he he literally like he's the foundation of of so much modern yeah music that would surprise a lot of people to be fair yeah What makes the show is called Heat Rocks, of course, and uh, Heat Rocks is a is a hot record. So, to you, what makes this album that you've chosen? What makes this a heat rock or a classic? Yeah, oh, um, I think this was the first record. I want to say this was one of the first records I heard that had interludes, but like had interludes that were like telling stories. So you know, like the, the like the rebirth starts off with like his mum dropping him home, yeah, um, as a baby, at, um, with his grandma, and there's a whole narrative and this whole story and it's kind of it's like the story of his life, and that was just that was mind blowing to me. I was like, this guy's telling a whole story that I have to like visualize in my head. I got like imagine this. It's me, Mama. Open the door. Well, what is it, Mama? I- I tried to call you before I came over, but you didn't answer the phone. Well, it's three o'clock in the morning. I was asleep. Now, what did you expect? Mama, Mama, listen, I just need for you to do it for me one more time, okay? Just one more this time. This is the third time this week. Oh, Mama, this to me. come on, I don't need you to preach it at me. No home cheer. You know I'm a old You know lady. I didn't ask this. You so of all people. You know I'm a widow. I don't get much money. Mama, if you ain't gonna oh, help me, just tell you. me. Obviously, he's not the first, he wasn't like the first person to ever do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many artists that have have already done that before him. But I think that was the first record I had heard where I was hearing that. And there was just, just the way it starts to me was, was insane enough for me to be like, this is dope. Like, what is going on here? And and it blew my mind that, um, that type of thing was even, was even possible, um, and yeah, it was just great because it allowed me to sort of use my imagination. And then um, on top of that, you know, just the songs. I grew up on on a lot of, because um, I grew up on gospel. I, I I remember never really listening. I remember growing up never really listening to like a studio album. I always grew up on, on live albums. And so to hear that mix of like this kind of studio type thing that's put together this whole story that he's put together and then it goes into like Hosanna and just obviously how beautiful that song is just that intro the, 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 the like just yeah I just all everything about it I think I just remember it exciting me and just being like this is this isn't like the the 
gospel or like worship stuff I've I've been hearing. just insane it just kind of opened my mind to like all these to just something very different and very new um and yeah it was mm. it was hella exciting proper exciting for me you know sam i love the point that you're making here because one of the things that i really love about gospel soul music from the 1970s is mm. it's that same relationship where soul music of course draws so heavily from gospel influences yeah. but then as secular music, it blows up in a particular way. And then gospel artists are now taking the soul influences and bringing it back into their music. So yeah. it's this constant exchange. It's just yeah. bouncing back and forth. Yeah. So that, that description makes so much sense. Yeah. Morgan, you know, obviously you are a huge Kirk Franklin fan. Is this an album, a heat rock for you? Number one, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Is this your favorite Kirk Franklin album? <sighs> um, <laughs> it's hard it's it's hard to pick a favorite i get asked this as a music mm. supervisor all the time what's your favorite placement mm. and and i can't answer that because they're all they all rec- represent a moment in time a moment mm. in that in that film a moment in that show and for me i love all of his albums this one is precious to me for a couple of reasons one because i moved into this apartment that i'm living in now i moved in in 2002 and it was such a struggle to find an apartment. Um, mm. I kept applying for places, and this is a you know this is a, a neighborhood people want to live in, and so I kept getting beat out by people were, that were showing up earlier than me, or I'd come and the apartment was you know was already taken. So as I was driving around this neighborhood looking for apartments that were for rent, I was bumping this album, and I feel mm. like it it had me in a very spiritual mindset as I was sort of like praying like Lord just let me find some place you know I just want to. <laughs> Please help me just find this place. Let me find one. And the story of how I ended up getting this apartment is nothing more than, to me, I think, a miracle. And so whenever Mm -hmm. I think about when I came to live here, I always think about Kirk Franklin and this album because this is what I was bumping. You know, sort of like circling, you know, some the story in the Bible where you had to walk around in a circle seven times. I kept driving around this neighborhood and playing this album. That's Mm -hmm. first. I think it's a heat rock because it has no skips. There are no skips on this album. Actually, you could put I it on. Yeah, I should have said that. It's so true. You can't no skip skips. it. You can't. You can't. And, and if you if you skip it, that's just a sin. That's just that's an e ticket. You're going all the way to hell if you skip yeah. any song on here. That's one. Um, oh, it plays man. start to finish. There's, there's 17 songs on here, and they're all fire. Yeah. Like there's nothing where you're like. Eh. It's, okay. a, it's an album. Um, it's an actual album. Like, yeah. A pure album. Mm. To, to what Sam says, you start off being drawn in. It's not like, hi, I'm going to tell you a story of how I was adopted and ended up being raised by a 64-year-old woman, which is what mm. happened as grandmother. Mm. You're drawn into the story immediately. Like, you mm. hear the whole thing unfold, which is so transparent for a gospel artist to do. He doesn't get on a song and say, I had it yeah. hard growing up. He brings you into the drama. So it starts off like a film. Yeah. That's the first part. Um, I think also, too, that he was able to, it's a heat rock because it marries so many influences and artists. Like, it, it. that's what's so contemporary about Kirk Franklin because gospel records don't have features like that. Yeah. It's just the choir 
and one singer, the choir, and another singer. This has everybody. He's got Toby Mac and Richard Smallwood. He's got mm-hmm. Donnie McClurkin and Yolanda Adams, right? He's got Toby Mac and Shirley Caesar. Caesar so there's yep. some there's something for, for for everybody across generations. And on top of that, it just sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. It's recorded live in Houston. And the way that it's engineered and sequenced, you actually feel like you're at a concert. And that is one of the great gifts of Kirk Franklin, that he mm-hmm. puts you right with him, like you roll with Kirk Franklin. A lot of the reviews of this album describe it as a return back to Franklin's breakout albums from the early 90s that, um, Morgan, you've been talking about. So what does that mean here in terms of what is he doing on this album that's considered a return from where he whence came, I guess? I think it might be. I think one of the main things is that it's live because it's dropped, what, 2002? 2002. Yeah, it dropped 2002, yeah. So um, like the family's a live album. Yeah, that's my personal Mm. take from it. Yeah. I'd agree with that. It is that it takes you back to that first album, Kirk Franklin and the Family, that it's a live album. Mm. And it's very, although it's very of the time and it still sounds contemporary, there's there's a 90s sensibilities about it, one with all the features. Mm. And um, mm. two, um, I think that it's uh, it reminds you of how Kirk Franklin became a star in the first place. Because the biggest star in all of the albums besides Jesus is Kirk. You've got the you've got the the choir, but it's his it's his direction of them and his interaction of them, which is always present which on the I live was gonna album. Say, right? I was gonna say it's mad that he doesn't sing. That was the one thing that blew my mind about him for years was that Kirk doesn't sing. Right? But um, yeah, sorry to cut you off. That no, go was ahead. one thing that always blew my mind was that he doesn't sing. He doesn't sing on these records. Uh-uh. And as a kid, I was like, that's weird. Like, where is? <laughs> I would skip sometimes to be like, where's when's Kirk gonna sing and he never did. And you kind of nope. just got used to the idea that he's just this maestro that just puts this whole thing together. This world has come, has come to, win. to win. And paradise, and paradise when I see your face, when you call for me, Father, you, you'll wipe every tear, Father. As a Christian and you know being in the church it's and like you said with like just Christian music gospel whatever whatever um genre it is that you want to go by it it was always very much this idea of like perfection and obviously we know that God's perfect and we're flawed but like we never re it never felt there were times where you would listen to some things and you were like okay well am I is there room for me to like make a mistake here like do I need to be is there do I like can I be imperfect at at all because naturally I feel like I am and so to hear that there was like someone that was giving you something that allowed you to sort of not necessarily relax in in the imperfection but to understand that yeah we are flawed but you know through Christ things will be made better and by choosing him and picking him and like trying to work on ourselves and so it yeah it was it, him doing that for me just 
blew my mind. It was it was a whole whole different ball game. Um, I know what Kirk Franklin uh, means to me as a fan and as a church girl. We could be on here three hours, okay, talking about Kirk mm-hmm. Franklin. Uh, but I'm curious, like, what does he mean to you as an artist, as a musician? Now that you're mm. you're, you're singing, you're recording yourself, you know, how important is he to you? Where's his influence in terms of, of you and how do you see him as a musician, one musician to another now? It's all, It's one of the things for me is, like, his boldness to, like, be who he is with no shame. Because even when you think about the fact that like Kirk wasn't even like the typical type of Christian that you would see at that time. Like he's dancing on stage. He's like doing all these, you know, very like, ex- like just big, he's like a very expressive person. And to like have seen the way that he was like, to me, I remember seeing him and he's like doing Michael Jackson moves and, this stuff and that and I was like this is not what I've seen of people that are like Christians or from the church but he was so just unashamed to just like be who he was and I think he's always known who he is the more I've grown in music and the more I've grown like as an as a person I've kind of just understood I think I've just kind of grown to this idea of like why am I trying to be someone else or why would I try and be someone else if I if I create something that I like if I see something that I like if there's you know whatever it is I I feel like I need to be able to um express that and I think for a long time when I'd started in music I was trying to fit in and I knew naturally where I was from I was from the church and there was you know the whole um I I I was playing like gospel chords and I knew all that sort of stuff. And, and um, I remember I had a session one day where I think I was playing something and they were like, no, that's too like gospely or that's too churchy. I was like, Oh, okay. And it, and it really made me like, just kind of crawl back into sort of my shell a bit. Cause I was like, this is naturally who I am, but like, okay, cool. You lot aren't, it was a knock to like my confidence, but, when I didn't think about stuff that like Kirk had done and and the fact that, you know, he was a, he was a Christian, but he was also just doing what he was doing in the way that he was doing it. I, yeah, it was just inspiring and it always has been. And I think, you know, there's so many other artists that have been inspired by him doing the exact same thing um, that, and I've also been inspired by that have just allowed me to be able to say, all right, cool. I, I know what I want. I know what I like. I know what I want to do and how I want to put it forward. And if this set of people don't like it, there's going to be a set that do. So I can't um, try and focus on, on just one side of everything. Well, we will be back with more of our conversation with Sam Henshaw about the rebirth of Kirk Franklin after a brief word from some of our sibling Max Fun podcasts. Keep it locked. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. 
presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah! Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. (laughs) In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, kick back as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Shire. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! We're back on Heat Rocks talking the rebirth of Kirk Franklin with our guest, Sam Henshaw. Sam, in terms of your musical influences besides the gospel world, I'm curious, especially mm-hmm. as someone who, and I don't know if you self-identify as being a British soul artist, but of course there is a long tradition of British soul artists, both in Britain and then a smaller tradition of those who've managed to get into the U.S. market. And, and certainly not in every case has that, has that happened. Soul to Soul, who you mentioned before, that'd be one example. Um, you know, I recently did a review of Dusty Springfield's, you know, Dusty and Memphis album. So going all the way back to the early 70s. And I'm wondering that, you know, there is, as I'm saying, there's this incredibly rich tradition of soul artists in the U.K. And unfortunately, because the United States, the music market here is so parochial, and we just assume that anyone from outside of our country has nothing to contribute to us. It, it, it makes mm. us resistant to mm. anyone coming from, from outside the borders. To what degree do you feel like the current British music scene, especially in soul in particular, so artists like yourself and your contemporaries, do you feel like the ability to make it, in a sense, in the U.S., do you feel like that's gotten easier with time, or do you feel like there's still resistance to that? I think it's definitely gotten easier um, for us. I think one, because of like things like the internet, social media, um, streaming, all of that sort of stuff has definitely made it more accessible for just listeners. And so if people want to now just, if they, if someone stumbles upon a British artist that they just mess with, they pretty much dictate where that goes. Um, but I also feel like for a lot of us in the UK, we don't have much of a choice but to kind of go um, elsewhere, be it whether that be America or, you know, Asia, um, because, yeah. you know, Asia got is a big market for for um, soul music and, and music in general, to be honest, I think. Yeah, but like, right. yeah, I, I think... And not to say that it's only limited to those two, you can go anywhere. But right. for me, I just feel like it, in the UK, it's a little harder for us to kind of get the sort of recognition that maybe you would like to have because um, yeah. it's a small place um, and there's only really room for one like top dog at the time. And so yeah. um, 
yeah, you, you almost kind of get lost in this country. You know, it's funny because I've had the privilege to interview some of the founding members of Samandi. And I know for them, wow. they were saying very similar stuff about trying to break it, uh, break out um, in the UK market back in the 1970s, mm. right? So even 50 wow. years later, it, a lot of the theme, a lot of the same things still confront um, a lot of uh, uh, artists. And I imagine it's partly of color and it depends on the genre as well. Um, but mm. it's, it's, it's really notable that, you know, that some of the same things still, still persist there. It's funny too, cause you were yeah. saying about, you know, the U S is one market that you would want to try to break into or Asia. So maybe there's a Sam Henshaw mm. K-pop song that, you know, is about to come, <laughs> come down the road. <laughs> um, we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't say no to, I wouldn't say no to anything. I've, I've learned to not say no to anything at this point now. So, um, <laughs> you know, anything's possible, but. But um, yeah, it's 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 true. It's, it's um, one of those things where it's a lot harder um, for us here yeah. to to really do that. And and you're seeing so many artists that from this country that now feel like they have to you know um, go somewhere else just to get a bit more attention. And yeah, um, yeah. it's unfortunate, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily right. anyone's fault. I know. I hear you. Um, and yeah. just on that note, you know, congrats on all good, which you put out uh, at the beginning of December of, of 2020. Uh, it, it has gone, oh, you, it has gone Spotify platinum, which means it's gotten, you know, a million listens. So, uh, hopefully this, this pretends you, bigger and better things down the road. Let's bring this back, bring this back to the the rebirth of Kirk Franklin. We always ask this. Yes. So Sam, what is the fire track off this album for you? Mm. I know you said no skip, so obviously no you skips. appreciate the whole thing, but in yeah. terms of you had to pick like that one track that just gets you hype, what is it? It might it might actually have to be Hosanna. Yeah. Either either Hosanna or or Awesome God. Oh, I don't know. I'm looking at like all of them now and I'm just like, no, all of these songs are sick. This is wrong. Um, Cause my life, my love, my all is great. Uh, look, oh, looking out for me is incredible. I'm gonna go with Hosanna. Cause I feel like once that comes on, you just kind of know what to do. Your body just kind of, ah, yeah, I think it's Hosanna. Yeah, I think it's Hosanna. Hosanna. I'm I'm a sucker for like a sweet melody and a sweet piano piano melody and the yeah. way that song starts and just and then like even the way the beat just kind of comes in with a like it's yeah it just kind of builds you up to get hype. Come on, Zion, clap those hands with me. Come on, come on, all God's people. Come on, come on, Mike. I'll say this much about Hosanna because as, as I mentioned earlier, I'd never heard this album before. So just to prep, mm. you know, put it on the start, the intro, which, you know, both of you were talking about, I, I was like, what is this? Where, where are we going with yeah. this? And then yeah. Hosanna came on and I may or may not have been a little bit enhanced. I'm trying to keep it spiritual. Stay spiritual. Here. Out, of, Stay out spiritual. of respect to Morgan and her mom. Appreciate you. Right. <laughs> but when Hosanna, especially at the end of that song with the interchange, the, you know, all the back and forth, I just remember, cause I was lying in my bed listening to this and just thinking, 
what is this? Like, I mean, it was, it was really just a, a like a revelatory moment of, of music appreciation there. So great yeah. choice. And, and just such a powerful yeah. way to open up the album on a musical level, you know? There's a beauty to it as well. Yeah. Um, to the song as well. It's like, despite the fact that it's a very like high energy song, it's also got this just very beautiful feeling to it as well, which I think, which I think is, um, yeah, it's great. For me, it's brighter day. Mm. And See, that would have, that would have been my second, would have been my second. I mean, it is, it's so happy. It is so joyful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to say this is under other circumstances. I would describe this as the kind of song that you should just inject directly into my veins. But again, that doesn't seem very spiritual. So instead, yes. instead, I'm, I'm going to say that it's the kind of song that I just want to be showered in its gloriousness. Yes. Um, and I think part of it is, and I don't feel like this was a direct attempt to make it sound like an early nineties R and B jam, but it does have some of the, some of that flavor. And if you mm. had told me that Brownstone was singing backup on it, I would have believed you. Um, uh, but and on that note, I mean, respect due to the vocals of life who do, who do so much of the heavy lifting all over this entire album. Real quick, oh, the horns on that. Yes, Jeez. the horns. That might have. That might have had. To, oh, I want to change. <laughs> <laughs> what a joint! Oh. I was just looking at. Um, Damien Lillard's uh, IG this morning. Shout out to, to mm. Dame and his wife. They just had twins uh, just this uh, this past week. Wow. But a, a couple of days ago, just one of his posts, all it was was a screen cap of this album on Spotify, him playing Brighter Day. So if it's good enough oh. for Dame Dollar, it's definitely good enough for me in terms of his, his right. fire track. So shout out to Dame. Shout out to Brighter Day. Morgan, how about you? What's your fire track off this album? This is so hard. Yes, I'll start with. Really I'll start with this disclaimer. I love Kirk Franklin, like a, a such a stand, and I love this album. Really, I, I wouldn't. Have, I would have noticed. <laughs> love, love, love. I think all of them serve a different purpose. I'll have to say two, two of mm. them. I love, love, love Hosanna. I love it. Like there's mm. just the change that the song makes over the life of the song. Is it just plays mm -hmm. with you emotionally and spiritually? It keeps taking you to higher heights, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the song that I play all the time on here is "Don't Cry." It features Richard Smallwood, wow. who's a giant in gospel. He's he founded the Richard Smallwood Singers, the first gospel group to play at Montreux. He also arranged um, Whitney Houston's "I Love the Lord," 
uh-huh, from the preacher's wife, right? Mm. He's gigantic. Mm. Oh, what a join. He went to Howard. He got a degree in uh, jazz and vocal performance. He's classically trained. And this song is really soundtrack ready. And it also would make a great placement. And um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I go to Faithful Central Bible Church and we bought the forum. We're the church here that bought the Great Western Forum. And so we owned it for 10 years and had service there for 10 years. And uh, Don't Cry was always featured. We do these gigantic passion plays. And I mean, we own the forum. So we'd have like, you know, flying angels, donkeys, all that, the whole thing. That's how big the forum was. And we would always get to the scene. Actual donkeys? Actual donkeys. Uh Wow, that's crazy. That's so dope. The forum is where the Lakers used to play. So we bought that building and we we were there for 10 years. So we could have anything in there. And Don't Cry, we'd always play after, right before the stone gets rolled away. And, you know, Mary and Martha were like, he's not here, he's risen. We'd always play that Mm -hmm. song and it would be gigantic. So for me, listening to that song, it's so beautifully arranged. And it's such a, um, it really personalizes the story of those moments you know, after the, between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Well, along similar lines, how about favorite moments? And for me, this was a tough one to answer because I don't know this album, of course, anywhere near as well as either of you. I mentioned earlier the the toward the end of Hosanna certainly hit me, but really something that even eclipsed that was toward the end of Caught Up, where you got Shirley Caesar just bringing out the growl in her voice. Mm-hmm. That was another just what is it again? What is it that I'm listening to here? Yes, it's when that burr comes out in her vocalization. Mm. It's like, ooh, oh, that's gritty. Mm. Indeed, I never make it through that song. I can barely get to the end, and I would be run, yeah. just run down the street. Sim, how about you? Do you have a, <laughs> you have a do you have a favorite moment on this album? Oh, I I kind of want to say the intro. I'd mentioned it before. I just, like I said, I remember just being. So, and I think because I didn't know Kirk's story like that. So I feel like hearing that intro just gave me insight. And it wasn't like, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't like it is now where, you know, if you want to find out about your favorite artist, you just like jump on the internet real quick and just sort of read up on them and and find out all this information or anything. It was kind of like you had to have like moments like this where it felt like, you know, you're actually living a moment with with that person. And so um, I think it's the intro um, and just that blend as well of when um, the grandma starts praying. Yeah. And it just blends and becomes Kirk's voice and he starts saying the prayer and then it just, yeah, it goes into, I have to keep those two close because, you know, Hosanna and, and that I, I can't, I can't separate those moments, but um, yeah, 
I think I think that was was it for me. And and yeah, I I love it when an artist become like becomes a bit more vulnerable. Like Jay Z's four forty four album for me was mm. like is is incredible because of just how the side of him that you're hearing you've never heard of him before. Like he's so vulnerable in it. Um, and so I think that was yeah the that that's the moment for me in this, and that's the reason why. Raise him up to be a great man of God. Use him for your glory, Lord. Let him know that it was only you that brought him from a mighty long way. Keep him safe, Lord. Protect Take him from all hurt, harm, and danger. In Jesus, I'll give, give you all, all the glory. Because you are worthy of all the praise. Hallelujah. Morgan, how about you? I'm sure you, I'm sure this is going to be a tough choice here. It yeah. is. I hate that I have to answer this question, but this is just a part of the show. I ask it to other people, so why can't I answer it myself? You know? um, two moments. One is nine one one, because I'd never heard mm. TD Jakes rhyme on a record before, and it's a yes. it's a conversation between him and Kirk Franklin about Kirk Franklin's doubts yeah. and his fears. So when you mention vulnerable, he keeps on going from intro to Hosanna to mm. caught up to nine one one. Right. I've had some mountains. I've seen some valleys. I've even had to cry sometimes. Like when I lost my mother. Your mother. My mother. I'm sorry. No son, it's fine. See, life is full of ups and downs, but God said the storm won't last long. So that's one of my favorite moments. But the second is the aforementioned Hosanna. Because there's a moment in that song where I just want to blast off. And I think I sent you the coordinates, mm-hmm. uh, but it's the end of that song. Both both of you guys have mentioned it. That he's doing that Hosanna, 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 and then he gets to that huge, and he starts. Oh yeah, he, he, he starts screaming, and I'm in the house screaming. That's it. That's it. That's Honestly, it. hearing that bass and that and just the snare in particular on that song, Jesus, is so like just oh, it's just I can't even describe it. It's beautiful, man. So tight and just ugh, wicked. It, Love it. Exactly. That's it in a nutshell. And please, if you guys yeah. get a chance, please watch the video of this. To see that performance. Oh my days, yes. Like, that performance is crazy. That's it. Yeah. That is it. Sam, I'm wondering if there's a song off this album that you would ever think to cover, and if so, which song? I've always had a weird thing with covers. I feel like I'm afraid of them. I feel like I'm afraid of covers. I don't know why. Um, But if I had to, it actually probably would be like My Life, My Love, My All. Mm Mm-hmm. Or 
because I love I love a song where you can kind of just it's broken down piano just kind of you just feel it vibe with it whatever um so either that or like I'd do like a piano version of like Hosanna if I could do that yeah. well enough like interestingly enough um yeah and then if if I had a band with me it'd probably be um brighter day because that would just be fun i'd just be yeah a ton of fun to do i i foresee yeah. an ep you know yeah just just there yeah. you go just a, yeah. a, a re rebirth sam covers. does henshaw does kirkland <laughs> yeah right there yeah the re-rebirth yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna start on the rebirth i'm gonna be hitting exactly. you up on a regular basis about this ep I'm gonna be like, remember me, remember me from the podcast, yo. What you doing? You in there recording? Where is it? Where is this EP, Sam? Stop playing games. Oh so, man. So Sam, if you had to describe the rebirth of Kirk Franklin in three words, what three words would you choose? Mm, beautiful, mm-hmm. joyous, or joyful, and hopeful. Mm. Well, before we step, we always want to leave our audience with something dope to step to. So we have recommendations for if you enjoyed our discussion and listening to parts of the rebirth of Kirk Franklin. Here's some other things you might want to peep. Morgan, why don't you start us off? I would say, uh, and this is the fifth time I'm going to say it, I love Kirk Franklin. So I would say, um, I would say go back to 2007 and get into the album, The Fight of My Life. Um mm-hmm. Listen to that one. This is my other favorite album. But I, I, I would love for you to hear um, what he did five years after he recorded the, the album that we're talking about, which is The Rebirth. The Fight of My Life is beautiful. Um, there's some great interpo- interpolations on there, including Kenny Loggins' This Is It. And so mm. I'd want you to hear what he does, um, how he continues to evolve as an artist. So, yeah. Check it out, y'all. I'm tired and I want to give up. For me, this is a, a plug of sorts, but late last year, I reviewed the new anthology about the Gospel Truth, which was the Gospel subsidiary label that was set up by Stax Records in the early 70s. And um, Gospel Truth was far from the first instance of a, a secular music label trying to tap into the gospel market. But for gospel soul fans like myself, it's one of the more prominent examples out there. And the gospel truth put out some absolutely incredible jams, including one of my um, favorite gospel songs of all time uh, to come out of Los Angeles, which is Charles May and Annette May Thomas's Keep My Baby Warm Mm. from Sam, you want to take us home? What, what would you recommend our audience folks check out next after they, they finish with the rebirth of uh, Kirk Franklin? Oh. Check out Sam's gospel album. 
in stores. <laughs> when it comes, yeah. <laughs> um, in stores. I would say, I say go back and check out the family. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a dope record. Same type of energy, same type of warmth that you feel listening to this one. Um, yeah. That, that would be it. I want more live albums. Live albums are great. Well, that will do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Sam Henshaw. Sam, what are you working on now? And whatever your answer is, I hope it is finally a long-awaited full-length LP from you. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, I've been I've been working on it for a while, and then I'd get like distracted with like other things that would come up. So um would end up jumping on that um, and then being like, oh yeah, I've got a record I need to finish and come back to that so but yeah we're we're, um we're actually getting started on like the campaign now and and putting it together so um expect expect a record from me um a full record before the year's done and expect the first single i want to say around april Uh, okay cool yeah so yeah we're, we're getting into it now and where can people find you online uh everything is sam henshaw so um instagram um youtube twitter facebook all that stuff is is sam henshaw sam with two m's you've been listening to heat rocks with me oliver wong and morgan rhodes our theme music is crown ones by thess one of people under the stairs shout out to thess for the hookup heat rocks is produced by myself and morgan alongside christian duenas who also edits engineers and does the booking for our shows our senior producer is laura swisher and our executive producer is jesse thorne we are part of the maximum fun family taping every week live in their studios in the westlake neighborhood of los angeles on a more somber note we want to acknowledge the passing of double k the other half of people under the stairs who unfortunately passed away at the age of 43 at the end of January. Rest in peace. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.